mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. We're going to be beginning in verse 37 this morning as we continue through uh, this discourse that has opened with Jesus declaring that he is the light of the world. Verse 12 of chapter 8, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now, he spoke, verse 12, to instruct also the woman caught in adultery and how she was supposed to go and sin no more. And we want to see this because when we closed last week, really, we have went through 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believe, if you abide in my word, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Listen, the truth itself will make you free if you just abide in it. Just get into it, the word, prayer, and fellowship, and begin to do what God has called us to do. And this is what he, what he wants us to understand, is that you don't have to do any work. It's a free gift, it's freedom, it's liberty that's been given, and all you have to do is abide in it. And we'll see a lot more of this when we get to John 15, when he talks about the vine and us being the branches. It's, it's going to be an amazing discourse too. But right here, we just want to walk in the light as he is in the light, and then we can have fellowship of one another, and we want to make our home with him. But what happens? What happens? Here's what happens. These believers, remember John 8, 31, Jesus said to those who believed him, those Jews who believed him, they're believing his testimony. They're believing his word. They're believing he's the Messiah. And then he says this to them. They begin to argue with him. Instead of just receiving with meekness the implanted word for the saving of the soul, they go, well, wait a minute. We got a different opinion than what you're saying. And see, when you disagree with God, you're disagreeing with truth. And when you disagree and argue with God, you're literally joining with the devil, who was the first one to ever tell a lie. We're going to see this in the text. Now listen, you can have an issue, you can read it, and you can say, my flesh is wrestling with this. And then if you went to Isaiah 118, you would see that God says, let us reason together. Though your sins were as scarlet, they can be white as snow. You can reason with God. You can discuss with God. You can talk with God. You can say, how can this be? But at the end of the day, you need to come up with just like uh, uh, Mary did. Let it be done to me according to your word. Because there's no lie in him. And we're going to see that in the text. 
And, and the problem that most of us have is that we think we can hedge our bets. We think, well, I can take some of his word, but I don't have to take all of his word. Listen, truth is truth. And there's really two systematic discourses that are going on in the world today. Listen to me, because that's what his word means. It's a systematic set of discourse that tells you how to live. It's truth. Truth is a person. Listen, truth is a person. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said, no one comes to the Father except through the Son. And no one can come to the Son unless the Father draws him to the Son. He reveals it to us. So the other systematic discourse that's going on is from the Father of lies. See, God uses his truth, his word. Here it is written down by 66 or 66 books by 40 different authors. And then he gives you his spirit and wisdom to understand it. He invites you to abide and live in his house and read the instruction and receive them. Or you can listen to the other voice, the devil, who has his own set of rules, his own set of lies. It's all a lie. See, because if it's not God, it's a lie. Listen to me. It's, it's this simple. If it doesn't line up with God's character and nature, what he has said in his word, that's why he's given us a plumb line, and then he came down and lived it out for us. If it doesn't line up with him, it's automatically a lie. Well, it's a little, no, no it's a lie. But it's, no, it's not a little white lie. It's a lie. It's from the devil. Listen, and then he uses earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom to try to get you to believe it. And it makes sense if you're on your own. It makes sense if you want to follow it because of self. It makes sense only if you remove truth. But it always leads to death. See, following the light leads to sinning no more. Purification, cleaning you up. You're learning the truth. You're saying, I, whatever he says, I got to believe it because it's true. And the rest of it, I'm leading myself away in self-deception to follow the lies of the wicked one. It's just that simple. You can't argue with the word of God. You can reason, you can talk with, and then you come to the same conclusion. But if you don't come to the same conclusion with God, what did you come up with? You came up with nonsense. You came up with your own understanding. You came up with a lie, and you followed the deceiver, the devil. So we want to understand that. Because, listen, and we're going to get to it here in a minute, but I just want to let you know that it isn't the devil that did it. Listen, it's the, you might say the devil made me do it. If you remember, I aged myself. Flip Wilson used to have a great comedy skit where the devil made me do it. So we blame everything on the devil, but that's simply not true. We are led away by our own desires. We are led away by our own desires, what we want to do, our own passions, the devil just tempts us. He just seduces us. He just, he, he tempts us. Remember with Eve? He just spoke. He didn't do it. So you have to understand that you are the person. You are the man. You are the one that did it. But you listened to the wrong voice. You were listening to the wrong discourse. You were listening to the wrong testimony. You were listening to the liar. But it was your desires. 
And see, that's why we have to deny self, deny what we want to do, take up our cross daily and follow Christ. Because our desires are shaped by our inheritance from the devil, our inheritance from the first Adam. And so our desires are to be against God. Our desire is to be sinners and to, to, to walk away from God and live and be mad at God and hate God and not want to do what he wants to do. So when you get new life, he writes his word on your heart positionally. You have his word written on your heart. And now you have to begin to say, wait a minute, my desires are messed up. My mind, will, and emotion is messed up by sin. And the only way to purify it is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that washes and cleanses you. And you have to agree with the Word of God even when you don't understand it. And this is what a life of faith is. Following the author and the finisher of our faith. You guys get that because it takes me, I'm a I'm, I'm really slow learner. It takes me a long time to really comprehend that the author wrote down his words on a piece of paper. And that's how you get this Biblios, this book, the basic instructions before leaving earth, the author. And then since he's seen we could not do it, he came and finished it for us. He came and did it in the flesh. And then he said, if you'll just believe me that I'm the author and the finisher, if you'll just believe that, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, I'll give you my righteousness. I'll give you my finished works my completion of this, and you can have it. And it'll set you free from the penalty of sin. And then if you'll listen to that and begin to get into the Word and learn who I am and walk in the light with me, I'll set you free from the power of sin and the practice of sin. And soon I'll remove your position and take you to heaven, and you'll be gone from the presence of sin, and you'll be with me forever. But you cannot say that you come to Jesus... And you don't change your mind. You don't change your direction. You don't repent and say, you know what? My desires are wrong. My ways are wrong. And you have to make that decision with every decision in life, with every moment of life. And that's why it's so important to learn it, to grow in it and to practice righteousness. Because now when you hit the wrong nail with the hammer, you begin to learn to practice, well, I'm going to be thankful for all things. I'm not going to let my mouth say those words because those are against God. I can't worship God and bless and curse with the same tongue. I need to learn to walk in wisdom. I need to learn patience and be still. And when I hit the wrong nail with the hammer, I'm just going to say, praise the Lord that it wasn't my foot. Praise the Lord that it wasn't worse. You, there's lots of things to be thankful for, but we can stop being a bad witness by what we do. So Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, trusted in him for their spiritual salvation, they committed to him, if you continue in my word, here is the evidence that you will be my disciples, my learners, my pupils. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Positionally, you're set free. Practically, we will listen to a lie if we don't learn the truth. We can follow a lie, follow the breadcrumbs of the devil, and think that it's God. 
Look all over. It's going on. But then when you take that and you look at it and you go, wait a minute, is this the word of God? Does it line up with what God said? Does it line up with his character and nature and who he is, his authority? And you go, whoa, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because death culture is going on. So these are believers. Listen to me. These are people that are refusing to go any further with God because they don't like what he's saying. They don't want to lose, give up their passions, their power, their pomp, their place. They want to keep being the boss on the throne in Israel. But they believe in Jesus, they say. And he's saying that's an impossibility. That you have to completely surrender. So many times you'll see those signs that says, God is my co-pilot. That's from the pit of hell. That's not biblical. God is your pilot. He's not your co-pilot. If he's your co-pilot, that means you've got some stuff in it. The same way as all these programs that say they're Bible-based. That means there's something based in it. There's something else in it, mixed with it. And that's what the devil wants to do. If he can get you to, to mix something with it, then you're not serving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're not following what the truth of God's word is. And then you become real religious. You've made up your own gospel. You become real religious, and you start to look at other markers in your life, and you create them to say, I'm okay because of that marker. Well, wait a minute. What did God say was the plumb line? What did Jesus say? If you continue in my word. Not if you go to church, not if you read your Bible, not if you look better than your neighbor, not if you said, I, I, just forgive me, Lord, I'm not going to show him the tall finger today, so I'm saved because I didn't show him the tall finger. That's relying on your works. It's relying on your own plumb line instead of continuing, abiding, remaining. And we're going to see it in a minute because it becomes the word that we have in Ephesians 6, which is histomai. It means to stand. Listen, you're doing nothing else but standing in the victory of Christ at the cross. You're standing in it. And when people say, what are you doing standing there at the crossroads? You're telling them the way to go. You're pointing to the light of the world. You're speaking truth to them so that they will know which way to turn. When it strikes their conscience, now they have a decision to make. We're all free will agents. See, these people who believe Jesus, they've been looking for a Savior. They go, he's lining up. The, the, the blind are seeing. The, the, the deaf are hearing. The crippled are walking. He's doing miracles and signs. And, and look at this. This is the Messiah. But then when he challenges them for commitment, eat my flesh, drink my blood, he challenges them for commitment. Stop looking at everybody else and go and sin no more. I'm not condemning you, but I want you to go be a light. I want you to go out and be a witness. I want you to go and walk this out according to my power, my strength, my spirit. Then they go, wait a minute. I got some stuff I wanted to do. What do you mean I need to do what you're doing? And you begin to argue with what God's plan of salvation is and what God's word says. Now you're in terrible place because you're doing exactly what the devil did in the garden. When he said to Eve, will you surely die? And see, he didn't lead her away. He tempted her. He seduced her. It was already her own desires to do something else. And if you follow your desires, sin, it, it gives birth. Or excuse me, your desires give birth to sin. And then when sin is full blown, it brings forth what? Death, James tells us. Always going to end in death. 
Because if you don't follow God's voice and his systematic discourse and set of words that, that is the living word, when you talk about when you put the, the word became flesh, the word dwelt among us, the word we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When you put the in front of it, now you're talking about the living word. And the living word right here is written down for us to understand God's character, nature, and will, and to walk in his wisdom. But when we begin to argue with God's word instead of learn it and grow in it and set in it, listen, if you're not in God's word today, listen to me. You're in terrible, terrible peril, perilous times at the heart of your Christian walk. To where your heart is still selfish. Your heart is still all of the things that, that, that Timothy, or Paul says to Timothy in 2-3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he just tells him again at the end of it that the answer is the word of God. This is what God has sent. Listen, listen, we're, we're so quick in our life. See, our souls are sick. And we're so quick in our life when we're sick to run to a doctor, right? Our souls are sick, and the great physician has come down and made a house call. And you can choose to follow his prescription, follow his ways, listen and learn his word with a heart to obey it, or you can reject it and stay sick in your soul. It's that simple. And we are people that will run to the doctors down here so quickly, and we will listen to them because our sight has seen that the schools of higher learning have trained them, and we will listen to what they say, and we won't even pray about it. You know what? If we listened to what they said, my wife would be dead right now. They wanted to give her drugs and put her on hospice. And we're over three years later. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Honey, you know what they're coming in here to do. They're going to talk you into dying. So just remember, we've already chosen life. We're people of life. We're following God's word. We're not following what they say. So be careful with their science. Their science is designed to kill you. Oh, come on, Greg. I was at the doctor the other day, and they were taking great care of me. Maybe, maybe not. How come everything they give you has side effects that are worse than the problem you already have? I'm not being mean towards pharmacy, but the word is pharmakeia. It's pharmacy. I'm not being saying every doctor's bad. There are certain sciences that are provable. If you take a cadaver, a dead body, and cut it open, and you can see the way the knee is structured, then you can actually do a knee replacement because it's going to be the same thing every single time. But everything is not the same thing every time. There's different things that cause symptoms. And if they really knew all that they say they knew, they wouldn't have to get on WebMD to find out how to take care of you. And I am not speaking down against doctors. That's not my point here. My point is, is that when they say something, you should just not automatically say, okay, we'll do it. You should pray about it. You should ask God about it. You should seek the great physician's care about it because he knows what he's doing. And does he really give you the best doctor? You might need to seek a second opinion, which is very important sometimes. Maybe a third opinion because if their career and their boat decides on what you get, you're in bad trouble at the heart of your walk. If they're trying to pay a paycheck or pay off a boat and they just want to do a bigger surgery than what you really need, because, well, this will work, but I should just give him some therapy. Listen, I'm not picking on who the doctors are. I'm picking on human sinful nature. 
human sinful lies that are underneath it. 1 John 5, 19, I know you are of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wickedness. Underneath the sway of wickedness. Underneath the sway of the evil one. The whole world. Because they're all pursuing their own desires. If that person has not denied self and said, my desires are wicked and wrong and not leading to the right place, they're not leading to life, then you need to be very careful with their opinion of anything. I don't care how well they're trained. I really don't. Because the great physician has made a house call and he tells us, do not argue with my word. You can come and reason. Listen, our whole nation, go to, I know we haven't done much, but go to, um, Isaiah chapter 1. See, the nation of Israel already did this. They've been through what we're going through, and we're going to go through exactly what they went through. Is that the right chapter? We're going to be here a long time. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 1. We'll just start in verse 1. Isaiah, by the way, means the Lord is salvation. Just in case, the Lord is the deliverer. But listen to what was going on when Isaiah speaks. Now, that, now in the Old Testament, or, or under the Old Covenant, just like Hebrews 1, 1 says, In past times, in various manners, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken through His Son, Jesus, whom He made heir of all things. Listen to me. In the Old Testament, it wasn't written down for them. So God would come and speak to a prophet. And he'd say, Go tell my people. And then they would have to go speak exactly what they were told to the people. But they knew that it was the Holy Spirit still that was helping them say exactly what God said. And it's the same thing today. It hasn't changed. But listen, this is what happened to Israel. And when you read it, it sounds like America. It sounds like the world we live in today because they've ignored God's word and they're listening to their own earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. And it always ends in death. There's nowhere else to go with it. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaziah, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. The, the northern tribes are gone. Southern tribe, uh, uh, Judah, which means praise. It's the one Jesus comes out of. It's the only tribe left with partially some of Benjamin hanging out. Um, hear, O heavens, listen to who he's speaking to. The heavens. Give ear, the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It's His word. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, even though it's stubborn. The donkey, its master, or excuse me, its master's cribs, it knows where to come home, even though we consider them a little stupid. But Israel, this is His nation, the northern tribes gone. Israel was the northern tribes. Judah was the southern tribe. Does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. 
They have turned away backward. Now listen, this is important. Some people haven't front slid, so they can't backslide. They can't become apostate. They can't walk away from their faith because they've never come to Jesus. They think they have because they come to church. But they've never truly believed in God. They've never got into the Word of God to be born again with a living hope. But we've got a system that we've made up that tells them if they say a prayer, they're saved. But they've never really even came to the starting line. Because they're not introduced and met Jesus and the Spirit of God is not in them. And if the Spirit of God is not in you, you're not God's. Verse 5, why should you be stricken again or any more is the NASB. You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises, putrefying sores. They have not been closed up or bound up or soothed with ointment. Now listen, that's because all of these things, all the desires of men are going out in the leadership, in the head. Listen, in the heart, it's all going out with man's earthly, sinful, demonic wisdom. And there's been no balm of Gilead. There is no word of God. There is no counsel of God to fix it. And so it, it can't be soothed with this ointment or bound up or fixed. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. Does this sound anything like the riots and about the borders that are overrun with people? Listen. And it is desolate and overthrown by strangers. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in a garden of cucumbers. I have no idea. As a besieged city, unless the Lord of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, always a remnant, we would have become like Sodom when we have become like Gomorrah, burned up with fire, unrepentant. Listen, what are we becoming like? With death culture. What are we becoming like today when we reject the head, we reject the author and the finisher of our faith, even in the church? I'm not talking about the world. The world's always been evil. But the church comes in and says, Oh, I believe you, Jesus, but I want to argue with that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I believe you are Kurios, the supreme being, the Lord of hosts, that you spoke and created, but I got to argue with that point for a minute. Hang on a second. Let me get my notes together, Lord. I'd just like to have some contention with you. Are you kidding me? What wisdom or counsel is there against the Lord? My goodness. We're saying we were rebellious. We're saying we were lost. We're saying we were sinners. We're saying thank you for your grace and your mercy and calling us out of darkness. Please save us. But don't throw me that life raft. I don't like that one. Can I get one that's not white? I'm a little prejudiced. Listen to me. This is nonsense in our woke America, in our woke world. And it's coming from the head that is sick. It's coming from the authorities that pass it down. And then we believe it because we don't know the word of God. We're fighting a physical battle because we don't understand it's a spirit realm. And we're being led astray by leaders because we're not letting the Holy Spirit lead us. We're not getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship. We're doing exactly what Israel did because, listen, Satan knows our desires. Satan knows human nature. Satan knows what we will do if he just 
throws a little bit out here and a little bit out there, if he just tempts us here, he knows exactly what we will do. That's why we need the word. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Or we end up under judgment. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God. What? You people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or goats. Sacrifice is not what God's looking for. He's looking for obedience. You can go to church. You can go, oh, I better get up and go because I just got to get there. That's not a relationship. Guess what? You get to get here. You get to breathe. You get your privilege to be involved in the body of Christ and to be a messenger for Christ. Privilege to have the word of God. Privilege to be pulled out of darkness. We need to get back to understanding the beauty of the gift of salvation and the heart of it and not thinking that I have to. Under compulsion like that, you're under law. You're underneath your own standards. You're set free at liberty to follow or not to follow. But when God sets his people free, he wants them to follow and to become like the Father, to become like him. And we've all together become like the Father of lies instead of the Father of truth. Because if we're becoming like the Father of truth, if we're becoming like the Father in heaven, then we're becoming like love, and they will know us by our love for one another because we will love no matter what, unconditionally, with mercy, with forgiveness, but according to truth. It's spirit and truth. It's not like let's just love, 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 and don't ever speak truth. That's the world. They want everything to come to a convergence with no truth, following lies, but God come to bring a sword to divide so that it'll be clear, just like he divided the sea, the Red Sea, open so that his people could go through on dry ground. And then he killed those who tried to go through that were not his people. There's a place where we follow in the light as he is in the light. So God's not really looking for our sacrifices because if you're doing it as a as a sacrifice with your own strength he doesn't even recognize it he doesn't see it but he wants us to become living sacrifices holy and acceptable which is our reasonable service and not to be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god it's to glorify god it's to prove that his word is true it's to prove that his way is true and it's the evidence and the fruit that happens when you're following him and looking to obey him 12, 112, when you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. And really that's the prayers when the hearts are so far away. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and, and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates they are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. And that's your, his favor. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. It's death culture. It's murder. 
Remember, David couldn't build the temple because his hands were full of blood, covered in blood. So listen what he says. Here's his counsel, 16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. These are the things that he wants us to do, to go out and speak truth, speak life. I'm not going to go into them in depth. And then he says here, and this is why I called you here, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Truth will be your undoing. If you say no to truth, then truth will say no to you. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I'm not going to keep going. We'll go back to our text. We're in John chapter 8. We're going to be on verse 37. We have people that are standing here arguing with God in the flesh. Now, you can take this wrong because I kind of took it wrong. Jesus is speaking spiritually, and they're talking physically, which you have to be careful. Listen to me. Anytime you're giving counsel, anytime you're listening to counsel, anytime you're hearing the Word of God, you got to remember that, that God is talking about spiritually speaking. And if you try to argue God's Word or argue with somebody over the physical, now you're in two different houses. Because if you're speaking physical, you're still looking at something that God doesn't even recognize. You're still talking about the world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. Listen, doesn't mean that we're not physical, but this flesh is supposed to be crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but the life I live now, by, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That means every single word that he said. If I'm living by faith in the Son of God, it's everything that he says. It's everything that he tells me to do. I want to live by faith and say I can go do that by faith. I can't do it in the flesh because then it becomes filthy works that he doesn't recognize. But if I do it with the right heart for him so that he can purify and wash me and cleanse me, then I'm privileged to be his child in his house and I'm going to end up reaping what I sow. If I, if I live like the Father, I'll reap the image of the Father. If I live like God says, I'll reap the image of what God says. But if I listen to some other discourse and make up my own religion like these people have done, guess what? God's going to meet with them at the judgment seat and say, you're of your father, the devil. Watch what happens here in this text. That's what we're getting ready to look at. They're arguing. Are you still hiding your desires in your heart and arguing with God's word? Be careful. Many Christians are. Well, that's the way you look at it, Greg. I'm not the father. I'm not the Savior. I'm talking about what the Bible says. I would encourage you to get in the word, prayer, and fellowship, confess your sins, and become a Berean, one who searches the Scriptures daily to find out whether this is true. Because we're not talking about your 401k. Listen, we're not talking about your paycheck and paying your rent. We're talking about eternal spiritual things 
that God wants you to be concerned about. That's why he shined his light in your darkness, so that you would wake up and decide once and for all, what am I going to do? I'm struck with this in my conscience on everything in life. And this is his firstborn nation, his firstborn people. This is the people that he allowed the tribe of Judah to birth the, the Messiah. He's standing there with them. And they would claim to know God. They would claim to be children and descendants of Abraham. They would claim that God the Father was their father, and yet they don't even recognize their own Messiah. They don't hear the voice of God. And Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so if we are not in a relationship like that of love and the bride coming underneath the authority of the groom and following and learning to do what he said, then we need to go back to the cross and say, what kind of religion am I following? What kind of works am I doing? What kind of new life am I living really? Or is it the twice dead? Am I just becoming twice the son of hell and made up some religion in my head? And because the rest of the people that call themselves the church, listen, we talked about it what, last week. If you have to say, I'm a Christian, there's actually an issue with your walk. Just saying. It should be obvious by our love, by our actions, by what we do, by the Spirit of God leading our life. And nobody's perfect. This is not a beating. This is called Let's pull back the covers. Let's look at what it really means. And that's what Jesus is saying. He is talking to these people because he loves them. But the sad part is, is he's God, so he already knows their decisions. But he still come down and made a house call. He still spoke truth. He said, still, here is the word of God. Here is what it looks like. Here's what the fruit is. Here's what the evidence is. Now, will you... Put yourself, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Test yourself. Put yourself on trial. Does it look like I'm in the faith? Not do I look like other people I would call Christians around me. Wrong plumb line. Let's see, verse 37, 837. And he's going to go back to and start to answer part of what their answer was in 33. And he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. See how I'm making them sound real mean? <laughs> Sorry. My prerogative. I don't know how they're speaking, but I'm just doing that. Because it's an argument that they're trying to have, and he's trying to speak love to them. 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. 
you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaks a lie he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it but because i tell the truth you do not believe me which of you convicts me of sin and if i tell the truth why do you not believe me he who is of god hears god excuse me he who is of god hears god's words therefore you do not hear because you are not of god let's pray father this is a difficult text and we need your spirit to wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you would say to the church today. Wake us from our sleep. Give us light. Raise us from the dead. Help us to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, not as fools, but as wise. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to be your children who would speak as you would speak who would be witnesses for your glory for such a time as this. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, back in 37, he is going back to addressing what he said. they said in 33. We are Abraham's descendants and never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll make us free? Now listen. Because he said, if you're a slave to sin, you're not free. Because, see, he set us free from the death penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. He set us free from the bondage of sin. We can follow him, and we don't ever have to sin. We can listen to the Holy Spirit. We don't ever, he'll never lead us to sin. We can walk in the word and walk in the light, and we will never commit sin. Listen, that's what he's saying. And then he goes back and addresses what they said prior to that. And he said, I know. And Because he does know, doesn't he? Doesn't God know everything? Doesn't Christ know everything? I know you are Abraham's descendants, comma, but here's a contrast. You seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Now, he's saying, I know that you come from Abraham. You're his offspring, but you're not living the way that Abraham lived. He's talking about the physical with them, that they're the offspring, but spiritually they're seeking to kill him. What is he revealing to them? He's revealing that he knows their hearts, the thoughts and intents of their heart, because they've already planned that he has to die for the nation. Now, that should surprise you, but, but, it, but it doesn't always. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And what? It's a judge. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. Here he is, the living word. He tells them the thoughts and intents of their heart, what they're going to do. He told them in verse 28 that when I'm lifted up, he told them how they were going to do it. And they're still not getting a clue. And see, listen to me. When you read the Word of God and you spend time in the Word of God and you say, well, I don't understand it. Well, then ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand it. Pray over it. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. And then He begins to show you the true heart that you are. He begins to show you that you're the man. You're the woman. You're the one that's standing there in front of Him. 
and you're either arguing with him or you're agreeing with him. And if you're arguing with him, you're doing it from your own resources or from the devil's lies because he's perfect truth. You cannot disagree with God and think that I'm standing here and I have a good plan, I have a good idea, and I think I know better than God. You cannot say, I'm a saint, and I'm going to stand here and argue with God and say there's something wrong with his word. There's something wrong with your walk and your relationship if you do not receive the truth. And we're going to see that with Abraham. So he just tells them, I know. I mean, listen, because here, listen, here it is again. God has no grandchildren. You guys with me? He has children. So you are not saved because you're the offspring of your parents who are good Christians. You're not saved by just coming from a Christian family or what we call a Christian nation. See, many people in America think they're saved and they know Jesus because they were born here. It's just part of the American dream. That's what I got because God was blessing the nation. Now I'm saved. Just simply not true. If you reject the word of God, you're living in a lie. And when you reject God, he's not going to force himself upon you. You'll be my children. Get over here. No, he's, he's going to say, if you reject me at the judgment seat, I will reject you. And it begins now that we're training our heart as newborn children. We come just like you're born and, and a baby's born and you give it milk. Now we come and we get milk. Here's the milk of the word. And then we move on to maturity and there's fruit, there's evidence. We stop arguing with God. We start agreeing with God. We start saying, I'm humbling myself, Lord, because I can't even believe you called me in the first place. I can't believe you shine light on me in the first place. I can't believe you forgive my whole life of hating you and rejecting you. And now I want to humble myself in your sight so you can lift me up. Because I know now that left to my own devices, I'll, I'll go, be like a dog returning to his vomit. Left to my own devices, I'll run headlong into death because that's my desires. That's my passions. That's my ways. Unless I listen to your word and you wash me and you cleanse me and you change who I am from the inside out. But the church in America, the church that we see, it's always an outside in. We dress up, we look like the church, but on the inside we're ravenous wolves because we're not letting the Word of God go in and wash and cleanse us. We're not meeting the Word of God and going, you're right, I'm the man, I'm going to follow your ways by faith. I don't know how this is going to work, I don't know how I'm going to do it, I don't know how I'm going to say no to that and yes to this, I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I believe that all things are possible to you, that you have power to do it because you called me to do it. And then you begin walking by faith. Then you can step on the water like Peter did. But what did he do? He got his eyes back on self. He's got his eyes back on reality. He got his eyes back on what the world would tell him, that that's impossible, and he began to sink. The goodness is this God already had a hold of him in his spirit, and he said, save me, Lord. And the Lord grabbed him and put him back in the boat. See, God's not going to let you go. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you, but he will test you. He will try you. He will put you through things. He'll allow you to go into the, to the fire, but it's always to protect you. He'll be with you. It's always to burn out the dross and the lies that the enemy has taught us. It's always for your perfection and completion. It's always for good. You can trust him. That's what faith is about but we're all living by sight. 
like I told you, some people come to church to eye the clothes and others come to close their eyes. You come to church so you know what to look like next week so you can keep looking like a Christian. But if you would come and close your eyes and look to God and worship God, then he would tell you how to have your heart rent to receive with meekness the implanted word for the saving of the soul. But it can't be man that we rely on. It has to be the Spirit of God. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So it's not about them being descendants of Abraham. Because they're going, we're free. We're descendants of Abraham. Look at us. And he says, but you seek to kill me. On the outside, they got phylacteries and they're dressed in robes and, and, and they're, they're looking like descendants of Abraham. And I believe you can tell each tribe by the way they're dressed. But on the inside, they're planning murder. I call it death culture. Turn on your news. We're going to help you. We're going to help you. Do what we say. And then every bit of counsel is against the word of God. Every bit of counsel is about killing something. Taking over, forcing, having power over you. All you got to do is look at the fruit of something to know where the root comes from. The evidence proves it always. That's real science. And by the way, God is the first original scientist. He's the first doctor. He's the great physician. He's the ancient of days. Everything comes from his plumb line. Conscience is science. He is science. How do you speak things into existence and you're not the head of science? So it's provable. It's always over and over and over. Provable. There will always be evidence in science. It's something you can repeat and repeat and repeat. If not, it's pseudoscience. Guess what the word pseudo is? Lie. That's the Greek word for lie right here in the text. When he calls them, you follow your father, the father of lies, the father of pseudo. We like to say that word, but we don't understand that it means a lie. It doesn't mean that it's something like it. It just means a lie. You seek to kill me. This is their heart. You seek. Now listen, this is an amazing word because I'm here to tell you what this text is showing, what the Bible tells us, what we should know. There's only two paths. There's a discourse of the word of God that God sent to heal the land, his own heart, the word of God, 66 books, 40 authors. And then there's every other path that is a lie. It's something that's made to look like it's perversion of the truth. The devil can't even create nothing new. What he does is pervert God's truth. And it looks like you're on the way to heaven when you're really on your way to hell. When he talked to Eve, he gave Eve a 99% truth and a 1% lie. She followed the lie because well how much doesn't that make the whole thing a lie if you put what just a little bit in it little poop in the brownies it's all a lie i won't go into that maybe over our fellowship dinner listen to me he knows their heart and he says you're saying you're the descendants of Abraham, but you seek to kill me. In your heart, you want to kill my word because my word has no place in you. What is going on in our culture today? What's going on in our world? They're killing God's word because the word has no place. 
Does it have place in your heart? Remember when Jesus was born and they found no room in the inn? He was born in a manger, or excuse me, born in a stable, laid in a manger, a feeding trough, because there was no room in the inn. There was a no vacancy. That's a, that's a type. That's a picture of the world. That's a picture of our hearts. Is there a vacancy? If you come to salvation and the Spirit of God dwells in you, He's going to make room in your heart for God, for His Word, the living Word of God. Listen to me. If, if we don't make the Word of God our home, guess what happens? The lie, the devil, yourself, the world will come in and decorate your house. And the fruit will be death. Oh, it looks great. I got, I got a bunch of Benjamins. I got a nice new house, a nice new truck. This is looking good. Physical has nothing to do with spiritual. Has no bearing. The physical fruit is not. And you got whole gospels out there that are saying, God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise. Oh, probably. But it's not a measurement of whether you're saved or not. Whether his word abides in you and you abide in his word. That is the measurement. Because it's a series of repentances. A series of repentances. When you meet the word of God, you don't argue. You can reason about it and go, wow, that must mean that this is this and this is this. And we can talk about it. And you can go, wow, but if that happens, then I got, and, and you can go, oh my goodness, Lord, you're going to have to give me some strength here. Yeah, that's the whole point. That you have to do it in God's strength, God's way, in His house, for His glory. That's the whole point. If you could do it, you wouldn't need God. But we can't do it. And everything that you do, He wants to show you that you have to utterly depend upon Him. Or you are letting the devil decorate your heart. You're letting the devil design your religion. You're letting the devil lie to you and deceive you by your own desires and your own choices. Because listen, he's not planting that in your heart. He's just tempting you. See, the devil is God's devil. God created him. And he can use all of his creation any way he wants. Where are we at? Let's look at. Does God's word have place in your life? Oh, yeah, I believe in the word of God, but I don't have time to read it. Then it has no place in your life. If God's not first, if he doesn't have first place, then he has no place at all. He's not God. If he doesn't have first place, he is not God. By definition, whatever your master passion is, is your God. Whatever you put first in life. Listen, my wife knows that she's not first. Even when my wife was in the hospital for 37 days, the only reason I left the hospital was to come here and teach. Because my calling of God was more important than my wife. He's in control of her life. Did it break my heart? Yeah, in the flesh, I didn't want to leave her side. But I have to be faithful to do what God has called me. And sometimes we have to go and be faithful to do things that God has called us to do, even when there's other people involved, even when there's other things involved, even when our emotions can't get wrapped around it. We still have to follow by faith what God has said to do. 
But if you put your emotions first and follow them, you will end up in a ditch. That's your desires. That's your way. That's your understanding. That's your life. That's not salvation. That's the liar deceiving you into putting you first instead of God first. In fact, if you want to have joy, which the gospel brings, it's Jesus, God first, others second, and your last. The only good self in the gospel of Jesus Christ is a dead self, dead to self. That's the only good place. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Dead to self. I know this is a good self-esteem gospel. It really builds you up, doesn't it? It will if you receive it in the spirit and you die to self. This is great hope. But it's not hope to go on living the way we've always lived, to go on chasing what we've always chased and say, I'm saved. That's not hope. That's a lie. That's not salvation. That's deception. That's not going to end well. To keep doing what we've always done and think we're saved and we're being led by the Spirit of God. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Does the Word of God have a place in your life? I certainly hope so. And if it doesn't, you need to ask God, give me a desire for your word. Give me a desire to put your word first. You're not worshiping this Bible, you're worshiping God. And if you put the word first, that's, that's, the, that's the worship. You got to find out what he's called you to do. Therefore, if the, nope, where am I at? 38. I speak, listen, it's going to be your example it's going to be your evidence. It's going to be the one that's being led by the Spirit of God because Jesus is being led by the Spirit. Sent by the Father, led by the Spirit, walk, walking in a fleshly body, but 100% God, 100% man. Don't know how it works, but I like it because He's my example. I don't have to understand that His ways are not my ways. His ways are so above my ways. And if I don't get that, I'll follow my ways instead of His ways, and I'll think I'm walking in the light and I'm really dying. I'm really dead. I'm really playing religion. See, there's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. Listen to what Jesus says. I speak what I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have seen with your Father. Now, notice what he's doing. And he's not talking to us. He gives us a good example of a testimony of people in the Bible that we can compare our lives to to see if we have fruit and evidence of salvation. But he's not talking to us. Listen, because sometimes you can read it and go, oh, my goodness, he's talking to me. Well, the word of God does speak to us. And if we have ears to hear, we should obey it. But he's saying to them, he says, I'm speaking. Notice what he's doing. He's speaking a discourse systematically, telling them about the kingdom of God and everything that he's seen seen with the father because he's always with the father always in perfect fellowship with the father except for the moment on the cross when he says my God my God why has thou forsaken me and he's separated from the Holy Spirit and from the father for that moment of death never been alone but he had the experience it because you and I have been separated so he cannot be acquainted with our grief if he was never separated my opinion i believe it pans out listen the father with his para they were right there together and then he says this is the difference 
See, if you're with the Father, if the Holy Spirit is with you, you will speak what you've seen with God. Listen. But he makes a contrast. And you do what you have seen with your father. Two different houses, two different fathers, two different ideas. One is truth, one is a lie. Speak here, he speaks what he has seen is to talk, it's to utter words, it's to preach. It's from a word that means to lay forth, and it means a systematic or a set discourse, as I've been saying. And then you use his wisdom to lay it out. See, because you can know everything about this set discourse, and if you don't have the wisdom of God, God himself, you can speak it at the wrong time, in the wrong way, and give it to the wrong person. You need his wisdom with you. And what he has seen means to discern clearly, or in a Hebraism, it means to experience, to experience. And then he tells them, you do. You're going to see this several times in the text. It means, it means actually to abide. See, he says, you are my disciples indeed, if you abide in my word. But he's telling them that they're abiding and doing what they've seen their father do by sight instead of by the word of God. Because the just shall walk by, by live by faith. So he says, you do, you abide, you agree, you band together. This is what the word could have been for do. You make or do. You continue, abide, and remain. You exercise, you perform. Your work is what you have seen with your father. In other words, they're doing what the devil does. And they, they travel land and sea to find one convert, and then they make them twice the sons of hell by teaching them something that has nothing to do with the love of God, with the kingdom of God. And truth is standing before them, and they're rejecting it. The question is, is what are you doing in life? Are you doing what you've seen or are you walking by faith? Here comes the rub. Are you doing what you've seen or what you've heard? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But much of the church does what they see other churches doing. Much of the church pattern is based upon what, what they watch and see and then they go and they do. And then I dress like them, I act like them, and on the outer appearance, I look like them. But what's going on on the inside? Because that's where God's at. Because these bodies are going to die. We're going to get new bodies. They're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. Glorified bodies like Jesus. I don't even understand that. I can talk about it a little bit because the scripture has it. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand it at all. God's got that. What I have to understand is am I rejecting the word of God or receiving it with meekness, the implanted word for the saving of the soul? The only way to be purified and to become what God has already given us positionally is to receive the rest of his discourse, the rest of his instructions, the rest of what he would say, and then go out and tell others and walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we have all things in common or fellowship with one another. So are we doing 
Are we speaking what we have seen? Or are we doing what we have seen? They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. I'm an American. Seriously, this is serious stuff. I'm an American. Abraham is our father. Listen to what Jesus says, 39b. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, Abraham's offspring, you would do the works of Abraham, not do the works of the devil. The evidence would be there. Keep moving. But now you seek to kill me. He says it twice. Let a matter be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. He's telling them again about their heart. Listen, Abraham didn't try to kill me. Abraham listened. Abraham followed. Abraham obeyed. Abraham repented. Now you seek to kill me. Verse 40, a man, the God-man, who told you the truth, which I heard from God. Isn't that what they did to all the prophets too that told them the truth that they heard from God? They killed all the prophets. Abraham did not do this. Quite clear. Well, what did Abraham do? Well, let's look. Genesis 15, 6. The first one. We're going to look at three places here. What did Abraham do? Where did it start at? This is before the law. In fact, this is before the first covenant was even ratified. 15.6. You can go back and read later the rest of the context. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted, he put it on his account, justified him by faith, and, it, and to him, excuse me, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Isn't that what happens to us? We believe God. And then we receive God's righteousness. Our position is the righteousness of God. Blameless. Not sinless, but righteous. Listen, that's what we get. The same as Abraham did. This is what we want to be like. Look at, um, where do I want to go next? James chapter 2, verse 14. Let's look what, James, let's look what the testimony of God is about Abraham. Two, we'll begin in verse 14. See, Abraham was a man of faith. We'll see this in the, in, in the Hall of Faith chapter we go to next. He believed God. He trusted God. He did things that he didn't have no understanding. He was in Ur of Chaldeum where they worshipped all these pagan gods. They, there was no, Jehovah was not there doing anything. And he said, follow me. Go to a land that I will show you. And he goes out to Haran. And, and it was dry there. That's what Haran means. And then God gave him this promise of what he was going to do. His name was Abram, which meant father, and he had no kids. He changed his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude or father of many nations. And he still had no kids. And he kept following. What I'm asking is, are we bearing fruit? Listen, 14. What does it profit, my brethren? This is James, camel knees, Jesus' half-brother. Why do they call him camel knees? Because he had calluses on his knees from praying in the hot sun. 
because he didn't believe in his brother when he was alive. But after he died and rose again, he believed in him. And he became the unofficial head in the church. And, his, his, and he had calluses on his knees like camels, so they called him camel knees. That's what I was told. I wasn't there. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith? I believe in you, and then you argue, but does not have works. Can faith save him? He's talking about this type of faith. If I'm not doing, I'm Abraham. We're Abraham. He's our father. We're his descendants. Then how come you're not doing what Abraham did? I believe in you, Jesus. Then why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I do? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? In other words, if we don't do the work of the ministry, if we don't walk out our faith, if we don't provide for other people in a loving way, where we give them the gospel. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead faith. It's not a real faith. Listen, I'm not trying to stir anybody into a performance. This is not what we're talking about. But the works that come after faith prove, he's going to say, whether you have true faith in God or not. You can't say, I believe in you, Lord, and keep arguing with him and not make a place for his word, not make a home for him to live in. He comes in and gets the whole house or he doesn't get any of the house. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He doesn't accept any other place. 18, 218 of James. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. This is the doing. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. See, it's, it's not saving faith without walking it out. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead faith. It's not saving faith. Saving faith was not, here we go, this is why I'm here, was not Abraham, our father, just as if he never sinned by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar, justified. That's what we are. When we believe Christ, he gives us his righteousness. We're justified by faith. But then it comes out in the evidence, the fruit of the life. Notice that that's past tense when he offered Isaac. Did you guys read Genesis 22? Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on the kid. Now I know you fear God. He was willing in his heart to kill Isaac. You have to be willing in your heart to die no matter what God says. Die to self, deny self, take up the cross and follow him. And God, or Abraham had waited all those years for fruit. The promises of God. And then he had Isaac, and Isaac became his worship. Isaac was just a type. We don't worship the Bible. It's telling us it's a shadow of the things to come. We worship God. All these other things are a shadow of the glory of God to come. We don't want to worship them. We want to look up. 
So he said, here, go, go sacrifice your only son. And he asked him to do something that God was going to do himself in the future. So it was a picture. It was a type. And so there they are in Genesis 22, where Isaac going up the hill of Calvary with wood on his back. And the father is there and is going to sacrifice his son. And God says, don't lay a hand on him. I will provide myself a sacrifice. And he come and died for us on the same hill. Which is Calvary. Galgotha in the Greek. So when he offered him on the altar, 22, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. See, there's a surrender. There's a humility. There's, I see your word, and now I want to go and walk out your word by faith, trusting in you. And that's what's perfecting me. That's what's completing me. That's what's conforming you in, into the image. That's what changes my passions and my desires is by obeying when I can't see. And then I begin to have the same heart that God has for other people. I begin to desire to see souls saved instead of me get everything because I'm still looking at selfish me. That's the good old sin nature that rejects the work of the Holy Spirit. So as we do the works of Abraham, as we go about it, which were God's works, by the way, it's what God was doing, sending him out as a messenger, as a witness, as an ambassador. What did they all say to him? Oh, we see that your God is with you. To Abraham. Uh, so 23, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, that's what I just read to you in 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. They work together. They work together. Many have said that Paul and James are arguing with each other, but they're not. All James is saying is they're twin bookends that hold this salvation together. If you truly believe by faith, then it's going to produce works because you're his workman, Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus for good works that you would walk in them. Not your works because there's nothing good that dwells in you. The good works is what he has designed you to do, that you would walk in them. And it's the word poema is workmanship. And it means a work in progress. So none of us have, have apprehended. None of us have arrived. But one thing that we do, we forget that which is behind us and we reach forward to that which is ahead. That we might lay hold of that for why Christ Jesus laid hold of us. That we might be conformed into his image and become like our father. Listen, how you're living proves it's the evidence. It's the fruit of who your father is. It's not like I went and said a prayer at the altar. It's not like I'm a Christian. Look at me. It's not I went to the food bank. The fruit of your life will prove which father you're following, whether you're following earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom and the discourse of this life, or whether you're following the wisdom of God and the word of God, the living word of God who come down and became flesh. The fruit of your life proves that. And it might take longer for that fruit to grow in some people's lives. But when the true word of God is spread out on the ground, 
What is it? The parable of the sower. Sometimes it falls on hard hearts that says, no, we are Abraham's father. We are Abraham's descendants. We don't have to listen to you. What do they do next? They're going to yell at him and say, you were born of fornication. They're going to accuse him of being born of a harlot when he was born of God. That's blasphemy. The Holy Spirit done that work. That's blasphemy of the Holy. That's total rejection of God's plan of salvation. Look at Hebrews 11. You have to back up. Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith chapter. Let's begin in verse 8. Since it's a new beginning, we'll begin in 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Listen, this is all before the law. Don't say, we're not under law. We don't have to obey. God did it for us. Listen, positionally, it's done. God sees you as already obeyed perfectly in righteousness, but practically, we're being sanctified. We're being washed. We're being cleansed. And by faith, we go and find out the will of God and obey God. That's the heart of a person who's come to salvation. They want to look to obey God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Hasn't received it yet. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as a, in a foreign country, dwelling in tents. That's what you guys are doing. That's what I'm doing. These bodies are earthly tents. This is a place where we're just tabernacling. This is not our home. We're going to have a mansion in heaven, which is a new body, I believe. It's my opinion. But he, dwell, he was dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited. Boy, this is the hardest part, isn't it? Patience. We have need of patience. We have need of endurance. We need to wait for God to go before us. It's easy to run out ahead of him. And they did. You don't see that testimony here, though. Listen, this is talking about faith, not flesh. Remember, they ran out before God. And they had a baby, Ishmael, with the handmaid, Hagar. That's running out in front of God, trying to complete the promises of God in your flesh, in your own works. Because they wouldn't wait on God to God's timing. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful. There's what she did. She judged. She agreed with the word of God, who had promised... Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Listen, that's what God does. He takes out of death and brings life. He took us from the dead. Wages of sin is death, and he give us life. Why would we not listen to him? Because we love death. We love darkness. So we have to deny self. We have to understand that our, our biggest enemy is in the mirror when you're looking in the mirror. We love death. We love, we desire, we have passion for sin. And so we have to deny ourselves. And wait a minute, my identity is, and I've been saved, and God has called me, and His Spirit is here, and He's got an instruction book that I need to read. 
and then ask God for strength to obey it. And don't try to fulfill it myself because it'll produce more enemies. 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off were assured of them. They embraced them and confessed. They agreed with God that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Listen, you have to agree that this is not your home. This is not your culture. That this earthly, central, demonic wisdom is not the way you look at things. Listen to me, because if you keep doing it the way the devil's doing it with lies and my own strength, my own esteem. Next verse. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. That's what will happen is you'll go back. You'll return to that country if you don't understand that the new country has a new instruction book. It's a new and living way. And, and we've passed from death to life. And God has given us more instructions. He wants us to surrender and, and walk according to his word. That he is the light of the world. But we love darkness. You have to make that decision daily, moment to moment sometimes. Does it get easier? Yes, when he changes your desires, it gets easier. Listen to me. Here's it. Here it is. Um, the reason we're sitting here listening to the Word of God, because none of us, when we drove by them banks a while ago, had a desire to rob them because there was going to be a punishment. Oh, my goodness, man. I'd just rob that bank if I thought I could get away with it. See, listen, nobody even thought of that because it's not even on the realm. But there's a lot of other sin that we thought of because we go, I might be able to get away with that. And the consequences aren't as bad right now. I can think in my heart about these things, and it's still against God. So it has to be changed in the heart. But none of us had to, you know, you didn't drive by and go, oh, the bank's closed, I better go rob it. It just it doesn't even hit up on the line. But it does on some people. Because they sit around and meditate on it for a long time. And then they start plotting it. And then they drive by it a couple more times. And they think about it. And they go, you know, they open at 8. And there ain't nobody there. And that security guard, he don't even show up till 8.30. And you start planning this out and following your desires instead of truth. And before you know it, you're in prison for robbing a bank. Or on one of them shows that's the world's dumbest criminals. Or some people, they get away with it for a long time. If you remember, they asked, uh, uh, what was his name, uh, Dillinger, why you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money's at. He's a smart guy, wasn't he? That's where the money's at. Why would you rob a no lemonade stands? Give me all your pennies. Oh, sorry. Let's get back to this. If you have opportunity you'll return but god says don't go back that way reach forward press on always on the grow see the world earthly central demonic wisdom it wants you to look back i'm a victim who did it what was the dog that bit me you want to live about a dog that bit you 20 years ago and you're still dictating your life on that lie on that sin, on that problem, oh, yeah, it might have hurt, but if you don't forgive it and forget it and move on, you can't go on with God because you're still making it Lord of your life. That's what the devil wants to do is be Lord of your life. He wants you to worship that and say, I'm a victim. Look at our whole culture. Everybody's a victim. 
It's just part of death culture. It's part of killing yourself. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Verse 17, by faith, that's what we read in James, Abraham, when he was tested, oh, now we get a little bit more information. See, James didn't tell us that God was testing him. But God was trying to show him his own heart. See, God already knows our hearts. Like he says in Deuteronomy, these 40 years that you were in the desert, your shoes didn't wear out. But these things I did to test you and to try you to see that man shall live by, but shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What did he do with Jesus in the wilderness? He tested him. He was testing him. Not tempting him. The devil tempts, and now you choose between life and death, blessings and curses, truth and, and, and lie. But God tests you so that you will know what's in your heart, and you go, wow, man, I might rob that bank. I think I could get away if I had the floor plan. So he tests you to see how long you'll think about it, to see how long you will wrestle with it instead of laying it down at his feet. So he was testing Abraham, and Abraham Abraham laid Isaac on the altar, had the knife in the air. So in his heart, God, in the testimony in the future, said he sacrificed him because he was willing to give him up, not even understand. Well, we're going to read it right here. Let me just read it. The Bible is better than me anyway. But he was tested. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Notice how it's past tense. He did it. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. This was the kid that was going to bring the multitudes, concluding that God was able, I'm going to do a sermon on Abel sometime, to raise him up even from the dead from which he had also received him in a figurative sense. Since he concluded in his heart, it's, it's Genesis 22. You can go watch it on the pages if you're reading it. Oh, it's so amazing. You can watch it. You can see it. You can see it when you hear it, and then you can go speak of it. And you don't have to do the works of the devil. Listen, three days journey. It's, it's a picture of Christ and the Father. It's a three-day journey, and he's got all of his, his, his possessions with him. And all of that inheritance is here for you and I, that we can by faith believe that the Holy Spirit seals us and then is here as the strength and the power and the might to lead us in the Word of God, to do the work of God for the glory of God. Or we can keep doing what we're doing and play church and religion and, and uh, keep chasing the American dream, which leads to death when it's full-blown bondage. Mortgage, death grip, they can have it all. It's going to burn soon. And then it goes on. Let's go back to chapter 8. Who thought he could get past two verses anyway? Abraham is our father. If you were children of Abraham, you'd do the works of Abraham. What were the works of Abraham? Faith. Abraham walked by faith. He believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. But then he repeats again in verse 40, which is the number of judgment, which is death culture. He repeats, you seek to kill me. Listen, what are you seeking? Again, the word seek, I thought I said it earlier. Maybe I didn't. In a good sense, it means to worship God. In a bad sense, it means to kill him. 
there's only one thing you can do. You can either believe truth and worship or and do, or you can kill him. Join with death culture that's trying to kill God and doesn't want to follow his authority, doesn't want to follow his character, doesn't want to be like him. But we sit around and deceive ourselves and say, oh, I'm a Christian. And Christ has told us in this discourse about going and sinning no more that he's the light. We have to follow him, be in the way with him. And if we're in the way with him, we make a place where we continue in his word and we continue to repent. We continue to make a home for him. We continue to let him wash and cleanse and change our passions, our desires, so that they end in and reap life instead of death. Because sin is always going to be full-blown and bring forth death. That's what it births, death. Forty-one. You do the deeds of your father. This gets really crazy. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Wait a minute. Who's your father, Abraham or God? You're a little confused there. I thought Abraham was your father. Now they're going to point to spiritual and say God's our father. When they don't know him is what Jesus is going to tell them. If God was your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God nor have I come of myself, no self in it. He's following and obeying God's plan. But he sent me, apostello, one sent forth. That's what you and I have. If we're from God, we're going to go forth and love the brethren. Uh, John 13, 35. If you love me, or 34 and 35, if you love me, keep my commandments. Um, no, that's not it. Look over at it. Let's look over at it. My brain went dead. 1334, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also may love one another. 35 is what I wanted to do. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, if you continue in his word, he said to those Jews who believed, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then what's going to happen? The fruit of love, which looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is going to begin to grow in your life. And then it's going to become obvious. It's a progression that you keep growing in. You don't stop. Well, I think I've loved them enough. I'm done. That's it. Remember Matthew? How many times Peter comes and thinks he's real slick? How many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times? No. Seven times 70. It's supposed to be a number to 490. We can do the math. Okay, that was 489. I've been waiting to give up on you. No, it's poetic for just, just continuing, a completion. Seven times seven. It's forever. God forgives all sin if they're repentant. Listen, if you have the Spirit of God and you're growing in God, you're going to love others. Just like Jesus is saying these guys, if, if, you, if God was your Father, you would love me because I am the express image. I'm speaking to you the same things God spoke to you. And if you're Abraham's kids, you should have learned this unless you changed it somewhere. And if you're God's kids, you should have learned this because you're already in his image and you're already loving and you're already looking to help others. You wouldn't have made up your own little religious system and, and put your own self in power with, with, with your own passions and your own pomp and your own ways. But you would have been already being conformed into the Father's image and automatically would have recognized that I was Jesus, the Messiah, the Mashiach, the anointed of God, the Savior of the world. But now you seek to kill me. 
Listen, it's nothing new. It's the Antichrist spirit that wants to kill the Word of God. It's the Antichrist spirit that wants to be in place of God instead of God. See, Christ came and died in our stead instead of us. The Antichrist wants to be like Christ, so he wants you to choose him instead of Christ. But that's why we have the perfect Word of God, the perfect salvation, a perfect and holy God that wants to come and live in our hearts and redecorate our houses, our spiritual houses, and, and create furniture that looks like love. And it really comes out in the evidence of how we treat other people. And nobody is perfected. Nobody is apprehended. Nobody is finished. We're all supposed to keep growing in this garden of God as we walk with Him daily and are led by His Spirit. So they throw this accusation. We were not born of fornication. We were not born of harlotry. It's the word pornea. Every time you see any type of sexual sin in the Bible, it's always going to be pornea. It's where we get the word porn from. But it's, it's really, see, listen, God created sex. Oh, can you say that? God, but it was made for the marriage bed. But death culture and those who want to kill him and not listen to him, they say that marriage can be anything you want it to be. That sex can be anywhere you want it to be, but really pornea or fornication or harlotry, which is spiritual idolatry, is sex outside of the marriage bed. It's sexual contact outside. It's some type of, of what the devil does with everything. What is a lie? It's perversion of God's truth. It's a perversion. Sex God made, now let's pervert it. Let's do it everywhere instead of just in the marriage bed to have a full quiver of arrows so you can send them out. Psalms, you send out, you get this full quiver. God blesses you with children and you send them out as messengers because you've trained them in the way that they're supposed to go. But sex outside the marriage bed, look at our culture today, death culture. My word is not in you. You can shack up together. You don't have to be married. You can man bury man, woman bury woman. You can, you can say everything's fluid. Listen, God's word is not fluid. He's the unchanging God. But everything in the earthly central demonic realm of Satan, the lie, the pseudo-truth, it's all fluid. They'll change it on you again in a few days. They change it to manipulate you and to move you. God is a standing, firm foundation that never moves. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not fluid. And He's not budging. But He's loving and kind and merciful and gracious and he's done everything for us. And all we have to do is stand in it. All we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is let him do the work. Faithful is he who called you, and I will also do it. He's not even asking you to do it. He's just asking you to believe it and to turn toward home and say yes. He'll do the rest of it. But you cannot just live in sin and do what you want and think you've said yes. You're arguing with the word of God. But they make this accusation against him when he's the one that's virgin birthed by the Holy Spirit. But can you, can you imagine? Again, this is where Isaiah 118 could have came in. Reason with me. If these guys were seriously seeking God, what they were seeking was to stay in their own selfish desires and their own positions and to get rid of somebody that was causing waves. That's all. They wanted to keep doing the norm. 
And that's what you and I do. We want to stay where it's at. We don't want to be uncomfortable about this. Listen, listen. Following God means that there's going to be some suffering, some affliction, some decisions made that are hard, and you have to wait. Listen, these guys, if they wanted to know something, if they knew the Word of God, if they believed in God, if they were really searching for God instead of just trying to kill God because they're part of death culture, they would have said, hang on a minute, this is getting ridiculous. What's your name? Where were you born at? I mean, they could have asked some serious questions reasoning with God if they really wanted to find God. But the, the, the thing is, is we've been duped into some crazy religion where we're not really trying to serve God. We're afraid of hellfire, but we're not really trying to serve God in America. We're trying to serve our own passions, our, and we want to be in power. We want to be in control. We don't want to surrender. And I might be talking about me more than I'm talking about you, but if I know who I am, I know exactly who you are. Because the more I draw near to God, I learn about human nature and sin nature, and we're not any different. We're all confined uh, under sin. We're all unrighteous, none righteous, no, not one. It's the same sin nature. The world calls it human nature. It's sin nature. Listen to me. We got to wake up in the church. We got to wake up. They could have just talked to him. Well, the scripture said he'll be born in Bethlehem. That's me. They didn't want to know. They wanted him to go. He was drawing all the people to himself. They were going to lose their position. Listen, you can, we talked about it Friday night. You know, if you lose your position in this world, you know what you get? The greatest position ever. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. Isn't that a great position? You can't give up more than he's given. But you can argue with him and give up what he's given. You can reject what he's doing. You can make up your own plan of where you're going. Doesn't matter what you say is right. What does he say? What is he speaking? What truth is he laying out? They mock us. They even make toys for our kids named Legos where we make everything. That's where this word comes from is Lego. It's a systematic discourse laid out for you to put together, to build a relationship with. And they don't mind if you play with it, make toys out of it, but they don't want you to get it. But they know the truth, and they reject it. Because they're building a utopia without God. A Babel. Tower of Babel. It's nothing new under the sun. So they, they, they accuse him of being, a for, being born of fornication. Forty-two, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, sent by God. Nor have I come of myself. He's not trying to do his own selfish works and build his own little kingdom, which many are doing. But he sent me. So he's one sent forth. Why do you not understand my speech? Watch. He asks a rhetorical question and then he answers it. Because you are not able to listen to my word. Listen to me. You need the spirit of God. You need to have a heart that's willing to bow to God. 
My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Why do you not understand my speech? Are, are you hearing this? Listen, if you're having a problem, understand this is a total different word. Uh, if you're having a problem understanding what he's saying, then you have to surrender to him and talk with him about it, reason with him about it. I'm not getting it. I read the word of God. How come I'm not getting it? Back to the cross. Surrender. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in the scriptures and to teach you. Admit that you're the man. You're the one that was caught in adultery. You're the one that was the harlot. And you're supposed to go and sin no more. That's the new mind that we're supposed to have. You are of your father, the devil. Boy, that had to strike him hard. And the desires, the passions, the ways, the will of your father could have been translated any of those things you want to do. Remember, they said they were Abraham's kids, but he says you're not doing the works of faith by, like Abraham. You're doing the works of your father. And who is he? Here's his definition. He was a murderer, a manslayer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, which is our position. People that believe in Jesus are supposed to stand, continue abiding and remain because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a pseudo, a lie, he speaks from his own resources in italics for he is a liar and the father of it remember jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith he wrote it down he gave us an instruction book he came and showed us how to do it but this guy is the author of pseudoism the, the devil did the diablos is what it is the diablos He's a traducer. He's a false accuser. He's a slanderer. He's the one that comes and tempts you to follow your desires that are wrong, your sin nature, and then you make the choice. They're making their choice. And what you sow, you will reap. The choices you make will always reap consequences. Sometimes the consequences are blessings. Sometimes they're death. And the only way to know which ones to do is to allow the Spirit of God to lead you into the Word of God as He washes and cleanses you and you walk in the light as He is in the light. The devil was a manslayer from the beginning. What did he do? Deceived a third of the angels, convinced them to follow him. I don't know when the beginning is that we're talking about. You can go read about it, Ezekiel 38. You're perfect in all your creation until iniquity was found in you. It is said of Satan. But God already knew that the iniquity was there because God knows all things. But he calls him perfect until he give into his free will and chose to commit sin and to lie. And he becomes the father of lies. And now he has a whole system of discourse that you follow him or you believe the truth. Very important understand so that we know who we're following what fruit we're bearing what passions we're taking care of or desires whose will actually it's the will of god he was a manslayer from the beginning then he 
spoke and tempted Eve killed the souls of men. Then what happened? Oh, he tempted Cain, who killed his brother, Abel. And God had already spoke with him. Abel knew the truth, or excuse me, Cain knew the truth. If you do well, it'll go good for you. But if not, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to rule over you. Your sin nature is with you the rest of your life. We're carrying this flesh around. If you don't crucify it and bear it with Christ, its desire is to rule over you and to follow earthly, central, demonic wisdom and to ignore the Word of God and to hate God and to join in death culture and say, we got this, we've got to do this. And those people were born like that. Yes, all of us were born like that, sinners. And if you keep believing the lie long enough, you'll think that God's okay with it and you'll go to hell. That's what death culture wants us to believe. But we're not of that type. We're newborn babes in Christ looking for the milk of the word, looking to obey God, looking to walk in the light. We don't want to follow the, follow the devil, the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Your new King James says convicts. It's talking about which of you, just, just point out one error. Notice they don't go back to the fornication thing. Isn't that interesting? That'd have been a good place to start if you want to try to find sin in his life, error in his life. Where did you begin at? See, they don't want to know. And he just points it right out blank. Listen to me. And their silence says a whole lot. Again, going back to the argument, when I speak truth to people and they get mad at me in the flesh, when you speak the Word of God, that's why you don't argue from your own resources. You're arguing from the, what the Word of God says. When somebody says they're doing something, you say, well, the Word of God says, and then you tell them what the Word of God says. That's why we want to know it. That's why we want to memorize it. And then they have to have an argument with God. And then they have to decide in their conscience, am I going to be of the Father, the devil, or am I going to be of God? Listen, they're silenced. They have nothing to say. And there is no wisdom or counsel against God's word. And many times people will be silent or many times they'll try to argue in a flesh and say things against the word of God that make no sense. And that's their self-will, their own hard hearts. Well, they're doing it. Well, other people are. It doesn't matter. What did Jesus say? Go and sin no more. Follow me. So their silence tells us a whole lot about it. They have nothing to accuse him of. They have no proof of nothing. And if I tell you the truth, why don't you just trust me? You can trust the word of God. And then he says in 47, as we close, he who is of God hears God's words. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Now, this is Jesus, this is God declaring that of these, but anybody can actually come to God. If you're wondering whether you're God's, just come to Him. Just surrender to Him. Just cry out to Him. He's an ever-present help in time of need. This does not have to be the ending line. You're not God's. Okay, I'm going to go live my life, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to hell. Got born to lose on one arm and mom on the other one. That's what I am. Can't change me. Listen, 
Listen, doesn't matter what you say. Actions and what you're doing and who you're following speak louder than your words. There's fruit that comes when the Holy Spirit comes into a life, fruit of righteousness, right living before God. And we can't keep arguing with God and say that we are children of God. It's just not true. Those who have come to salvation believe God's word. And no matter what the cost is, they want to follow it. They want to walk by faith. No matter what they see, they want to walk by faith. And he leaves it there on their conscience. And that's the way the word of God is supposed to be. We can counsel one another. We can be examples for one another. But ultimately, it's God that's going to judge you on the last day. It's his word that judges you. you. We'll find that when we get over here, chapter 12. You have that which judges you, my word. There's nothing new. You're not going to be, you're not going to get there and go, oh, we got a new standard now. Didn't mean to tell you that, but now we got a new standard. It's his word already that he's written, that he's encouraging us to get in. You can go read about it. What is it, 1245? He's going to get to it here in a minute, uh, next year, uh, slow as I go. 1248, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. It's that simple. He's given us the answer key, his discourse to mankind. What say ye? It's on your conscience. It's up to you. But if we say we believe, we can't continue to walk in sin practicing it like it's no big deal god will forgive it certainly not paul would say father pour out your spirit i know a heavy sermon lord but we want to be those who live in the newness of life we don't want to find out when we get to the throne room so thank you for the hope thank you for the light thank you for the mercy and the grace thank you for calling us out of darkness now give us the desire to walk circumspectly not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. For the days are evil in this death culture that we see. These liars that are all around us, that, that have pseudo-truth that leads nowhere but to the grave. Lord, pour out your spirit. Have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I am.